Lord, and welcome to New Life. We are so glad you can join us today from wherever you are at. Be it on your pontoon boat or uh, sitting there eating your eggs. We are so glad that you can join us today. And, uh, the, and we got a couple of people who watch us um, in the evening. And so um, they enjoy it. And the, from wherever you are in the world, we are so glad that you can join us today at New Life. Of course, New Life is located at 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton, North Dakota. And so if you live in the tri-state area, especially Breckenridge or Wapiton, hey, get here for church at 10 o'clock and Wednesday nights at 6. We'd love to have you come, and you can come and be my guest. Just mention Pastor David invited me, and I'll make sure you get the best seat in the house. And so, we'd love to have you. Anyway, today, um, we are going to be again in 1 Timothy. And we're going to back up from where we were last week. The Holy Spirit just told me to back up and do verses 1 through 11. And, uh, why, hey, if the Lord tells me to do something, I better do it. You know, I, I, I don't get in trouble when I listen to what he tells me to do. I might get in trouble with my people getting offended by the word, but I don't worry about that too much, you know, because I'm going to love them anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, don't get mad at me, God said it, and by the way, Facebook, there's a couple of things you're going to have to do some fact checking on, um, go get your Bible, and if you don't have one fact checker, go to Walmart, they have them, they're really cheap, pick up a Bible, and you will see every word that I'm talking about today is found right here. And so I try to keep right to the Word of God and not jump too far outside of that. And so um, my message today is keep hope in Christ. And no, we're not translating into Spanish today because our folks are on the swing shift and I think they're working right now. And so, yeah, yeah, that's how I felt too. I'm hoping that they're not next week and they can bring all that good food. We're having dinner. We're having pot, pot blessing dinner here at church next week. So I'm hoping they could all be here because I have a feeling that they're good cooks. And so praise the Lord. But keep hope in Jesus. You know what I found? That we are surrounded by people without hope. That's the problem. I was picking somebody up for church today, which is my habit, and as I was picking them up, and I saw some, a, a younger person, and, and the sad thing was, their generation are the loneliest people in the nation. Did you know that? They're very lonely. They don't have a lot of connections. They do so much through their phones, they're not used to see. I, it's fun. But I, I can't say it's just them. I was, in, I was over at the frying pan the other day, and I saw an older couple, husband and wife, I think. I'm not assuming anything, but it looked like they were husband and wife, just with the way she looked at them. Anyway, <laughs> and they're both on their phones texting instead of talking to each other. And they're texting. Probably the grandkids contacted them, so you know they got all excited. And you know the grandkids, they do everything through texting. And by the way, um, my, young, my, my young folks, 
you guys are always got your fo phones tied to you. How come when I text you, you don't always get right back to me? I don't understand. My own kids do that to me. They're so, but they have their phones right there. When they leave the house, they get in the car, they, they start it up, and they sit there for 10 minutes checking to see what did they miss. And, uh, but it's so true. But that's how we communicate now. We don't even listen with our ears. We're doing everything with our thumbs. I can't do it with my thumbs. I don't know how they do it. They're amazing. And, and um, they just are. And, and what I would love to do, I'd love to have a Zier come along who's on fire for Jesus. On fire for Jesus. And, and, and wants to do ministry because I, I need to up the ante on what we do over the internet. Because I'll tell you what, we are global now. We're in the Philippines. We are in, in Africa. Uh, we're, we're up in Canada. And like I said on the um, coffee break the other day, we're even in Florida. And we got people watching from all those places. And it's a blessing. And I get more feedback from the folks in Canada than anywhere else. And so um, one of them is a good dear friend of, of mine. And the other one happens to be my wife's uncle. He's a good guy. And so, um, and I know there's others. But you know what I found? That when it comes to streaming church services, they don't respond just to do this or this. They watch, they enjoy, they get blessed, but they don't respond much. And the reason why I want somebody young on there is because, you know, we can do a survey. Yeah, just to get the conversation going. How much do you love Jesus? A little bit? A lot. And so we, we, need, we need to go ahead and... Uh, um, so if you have a heart for the Lord and you want to come and get be put to work, we'd love to put you to work. You know, so many people are sitting in church today not allowed to do anything. And there's a whole mission field around us of people going to hell. And our job is to stop them from going to hell. Our job is to give them hope. Right? And so, then this hope, and I'm telling you, in the, when I talk about generation, I don't want you to think I'm just talking about Zers or millennials. I'm talking about everybody who's breathing right now. We are called to reach the generation that we are living during that time. And so, you know this, all this breakdown of generation? is not the same as the Bible. The Bible's generations go for 40 years. That's, a, that's the age of discipline. 70 years, which is a blessing. And then 120 years, those three. And so that generation will not pass that sees Israel come back in the land. It could be, it's past 40. We just hit 70. We're between 70 and 120 because that's what it could be. Those three things. And so we should never get to, well, I thought you people said generations only four. But see, these generation breakdowns only came about, oh, during that one decade that changed everything, the 60s. Right? How many of you were born in the 60s? <laughs> How many were you, of you are having kids in the 60s? You know what I mean? And so all those things changed that. And some brilliant guy came up with, well, these are builders, this is the greatest, and these are 
baby boomers, and then they just went on from there. Some of the names they were coming up with. Uh, now we got the, the latest generation coming up are the alphas. The alphas. Well, I thought alpha was the first, and how can they be the alphas? Because I thought that was um, Adam and Eve, right? And so, um, but that's the new thing. And then they change names. Now there's a, one of the generations changed their names to survivors. I can't keep it up with, with it all. So I just say, we're reaching the people who are breathing, and they need Jesus. I don't care if they're grandmas or they're young people. That's why this fall, we are going to be really pushing our Sunday school for the kids because we're a Sunday school church. We can't get away from it. We're a Sunday school church. We're going to push because we love discipleship. We're going to push Sunday school for the kids. And then Wednesday night, Lorraine and um, Corey are going to be jumping all over Wednesday night for the kids. And uh, we got we're getting brand new curriculum. We're not doing Awana this year. We're getting brand new curriculum from one of our favorite sources, Group. And they're going to have all sorts. They're going to have music. They're going to have all the fun stuff. And so I'm expecting that when they're done with the kids, everybody will be smiling, even their leaders, because they make sure that they put things together so the leaders aren't tied up by the kids. Right? You've seen those old cartoons, right? And so um, we are so grateful for that. And I'm believing that we're going to have to use our nursery more because God's going to bring in babies again. And we're going to see our nursery once more being used. This is how I'm believing for God to move in our church. I'm excited about it because I'm, we've been feeling the change, the seed change here at New Life. Anyway, let's get right into the scripture here. Our hope, our hope. Let's read, let's read um, 1 Timothy um, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, did you see? Isn't that marvelous? Uh, you don't have to read the Spanish side. <laughs> well, I, and, and I use, just for those who don't know, I use the New King James most of the time for preaching because I love word-for-word -word translations. Okay? Word-for-word -word translations is the best thing, if you're going to study the Bible, that's the kind of Bible you want to get. It's one that translates the Greek and the Hebrew and the Chaldees word, or, uh, word for word, okay? But Jesus Christ, according to Paul right here, is our only hope for our salvation. Aren't you glad you accepted him? That should make you excited. He's our only hope. We don't have to worry about it any other way. We don't have to get confused about it because God's not a God of confusion. We just know the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. I mean, he said it himself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no one, no man, no woman, no man, no kid comes to the Father except by me. And why should it be any other way? Because God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. So Christ did all that work. Why should he accept any other way to get to heaven? So, and he makes it so easy. We don't have to pass go. We don't have to collect $200. We don't have to knock on 99,000 doors. Right? All we have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Because we're all sinners. I know some people don't think that, but we're all sinners. But we're all saved by grace through faith. We are saved by faith through grace. Right? Oh, wow. All these other scriptures coming along. Isn't that good stuff? He saved us. And because of that, we have hope. Not just hope that we get to go to heaven. So many people think, oh, you Christians, you just think about the future and going to heaven. Why not? Right? But we have hope right now to breathe. We have hope right now to live. We have hope right now that he's going to heal us. Come on. We have hope. I mean, praise God. I've been believing for this arm to come back to life. I know you have too. You'd love that. I mean, if that arm came back to life, oh my word, we see you doing a jig. Right? He'd be the happiest guy. Oh my word. And then while he's healing that, he could heal your leg. I've been praying for Alvin that he just strengthened his body again. Because I know he can do it. Because as long as we have breath, we have hope that he can heal us. But I love what my friend Perry Stone always says. They always threaten us with heaven. They're always threatening us with heaven. If you don't shut up about Jesus, I'm going to kill you. That's what he's talking about. Always threatening us with heaven. Why threaten us with heaven? That's where we want to go. That's where we've been promised to go. That's where our hope in Jesus is. Because he saved us. He forgave us. He cleansed us. He turned our lives around as we sing. Can you imagine all those songs today? Didn't that make you feel like warriors? Come on. You know what I love about our church? We don't ask the guys to be just a bunch of nice guys. No. We want them to be like biblical guys. Think about all the men in the Bible. They weren't nice guys. No. They were fishermen, warriors, hunters, farmers. Yeah, you know how farmers are. Right? They... Jesus even had amongst the disciples gang members. Right? What do you think those zealots were? They all were packing heat. Back then they were knives and swords, but um, it'd be the same thing. They were all amongst the disciples following Jesus. And you know what made the difference with them? They had hope in Christ. And our hope is only because of the cross, of what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. Without hope, we are open to so many mental attacks. And we get them enough already, right? What are those mental attacks? Depression, anxiety, 
fear, etc. You know what I'm talking about, but we know when we have those days. Oh, my word. Because we have hope in Christ that he can touch us. He can take away the depression. He can take away. Didn't David say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. They rod and they staff, they comfort me. Think about that. Oh my word, I'm just still in the introduction. Because of that hope, we know he can overcome our depression, our anxiety, our fear. And then Paul goes ahead and says, be anxious for nothing. That's a big one for you to say, Paul. But do you think maybe he suffered from some of that stuff, from all the beatings he took? I mean, there's one passage in Acts, they stoned him to death, left him for dead, walked away. I don't know if they didn't finish the job right, you know, but it sounds like they, and he got up and he walked back in the town and preached some more. Now, I'll tell you what, he knew exactly what anxiety was all about, and he's saying, be anxious for nothing, here's what I keep my mind on, if you keep your mind on it, you're going to overcome it too, because remember, Jesus said over seven times in Revelation, if you will overcome, here's the promise that you're going to get on the other side. That's pretty good. Every church he tells them, if you overcome this, you're going to get that. If you overcome, when he died, here's the secret. He made all of us overcomers. But here's the problem. We don't realize, stay with me on this. We don't realize he said something from the cross that we forget. He said, see, he carried it all, right? He didn't just carry our sin. He carried all of our diseases. He carried all of our sickness. He carried all of our mental stuff, right? And when he got the job done, what did he say before he breathed his last? Besides, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And besides, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And, and you know what? He's talking about us too. It's not just the ones who put them on the cross because it was our sins that put them on the cross. So he's saying to us, they, we don't know what we're doing. And he is so right. And so, but what did he say? This is the thing that we've forgotten. We stopped preaching about. And it's the most marvelous thing. When we get back to the cross, we hear these words. Jesus said, it is finished. And so when we remember that, wait a second, I'm facing this depression again. But Jesus says, it's finished. Lord, I give it to you. I give it to you. I'm going to think about you, Lord. I'm going to put my mind on you. I'm not going to think about all these dark things anymore. Right? Believe me, it's not easy, but it's the only way to overcome it. I got somebody I love who's, who's got a disorder. And the problem is they haven't turned it all over to God yet. But I told him a long time ago, just because they tell you what your disorder is doesn't mean that Jesus can't reach into your mind and rewire you. Because he's, he knows how you're put together and he knows how the wiring works. See, all these doctors, they can just guess. Elon Musk, he can just guess. You, you know, he, he caused somebody to walk the other day. Did you hear about that? He, he implanted the chip 
the AI in his brain, and it, it, it got the AI, this is the whole reason he developed AI. It was not for all this other nonsense. He's, he tells us AI is the scariest, most, and even Wozniak, the great Woz from Apple, he even signed the letter with Elon Musk saying, we need to regulate AI, it's dangerous. But he made AI so that people who can't see, people who can't hear, people who can't walk, they can go in there and put the AI in the brain, wire it in where it's supposed to, and they can now function. Now, it's not perfect function, but the, the person could walk again. That's why he developed it. But he's not, he's not happy that they're teaching AI to lie. He says, that is the scariest something that's that powerful will lie to us? No. And the problem, he says, there's no off switch. Like everybody thinks we can unplug our computer, there's no off switch for AI. One of the AI computers told its programmer, don't turn me off, I'm afraid to die. That scared the guy so much that he blew the whistle. He says, AI's not supposed to have feelings. That's a feeling. So we're entering into a new age, just like we did when the telephone was invented, the airplane was invented, the automobile was invented. We're entering into a new age, but we need to have it under control, not it having us under control. Amen. But I really believe it's a sign of the end times. Oh, I'm done. I'm, 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 I gotta get back. I'll, I'll tell you why it's a sign of the end times. Because the Bible says that the Antichrist, when the desolation, when he comes into the temple, he's going to set up his image in the temple, right? And it's going to be able to talk to you and do miraculous things. Call fire down from heaven. Well, my word, you create an image that looks like the AI, just like the Antichrist, sounds like the Antichrist. It's not going to be a stone image. I really believe it's going to be AI. Because Microsoft has been creating their AI god. You can Google all this stuff and find this out. They actually have a face of their god and they have their own religion now out there in California, all around their AI God. And it's scary. Saudi Arabia took the first AI um, robot and they made her a citizen of their country. So these things are moving along and so we need, we, we need to pray and believe. And see, I'm not talking about us to, because we're supposed to be scared. Uh -uh. We got hope in Jesus. See, we get out of here. Right? Next great event for the church is what? The rapture. We have hope we're getting out of here before all the bad stuff happens, right? So we're going to hear the trumpet. Jesus is the trumpet. Doesn't he sound like he, it says that he's, in Revelation we were studying, he sounds like the trumpet, the voice of God. And he's going to say, come on up going to be marvelous. That's the big... See, it's not the Antichrist coming onto the scene. It's not the tribulation. For the church, those are things that will say, hey, I think Jesus is going to get us out of here soon. Hey, the Antichrist is over. We're going to get out of here soon. Right? And we'll hear those trumpet sounds and... Whoosh. Oh, I can't wait. But until we do... 
Until we do, we need to be busy giving people hope. See, we have hope. We don't have to get scared by AI. We don't have to be scared by the next COVID thing that they keep talking about. We don't have to be scared of food shortages that they keep talking about. We don't have to be scared of global warming as they keep talking about. Hello? See, last time I checked, God is still in control of the universe. He has not resigned. He's not gone on vacation. He didn't go to sleep. He hasn't forgotten about us. No, he's very much involved in our lives, and he wants us to get as many people saved. And I want, to t- I want our choir section in heaven to be the biggest. Come on. I, I, I love God. This is how much he gives us hope. Do you know that we're going to have, when we get there, we're all going to be shouting praises to God. Oh, my word. We're going to be shouting and praising and worshiping him. The Bible speaks about it. And then, God knows all these Swedes are coming to heaven. Swedes and Norwegians are coming to heaven. Who, 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 who don't shout, <laughs> Right? They don't jump. They don't show a lot. Of the, men, the, the, the way you know the Spirit of God's moving on the men is the tears are rolling. That's how, every time I get a new pastor move up here from someplace else, I have to tell them, don't expect your men to shout if you see the tears the Spirit of God's moving on their lives. And they love that. I've seen that in, in worship. I said, then your Spirit of God's moving. And God knows that about the Swedes and the Norwegians. So he has a whole half hour in heaven, of perfect silence. We will worship him in perfect silence. And I believe that's for the Swedes and the Norwegians. Right? See, we have hope because our Father loves us so much, he even looks out for us that way too. I even left... The hope we have in Jesus gives us, guess what? Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. And you know something? Sin in the Bible is not written in plural. It's written singular because all sin is sin. Doesn't matter what you do, all sin is just sin. Filthy rags in front of God. But do you know that the word mercy is plural? Because his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, the song goes on to say, doesn't it? Grace, mercy, and and we get his peace when we know beyond the shadow of doubt, it is finished. Let's skip ahead to verse 5. Verse 5 says, and, and if we have time, I might go back. You get the other two in. Verse 5 says, Now the purpose of this commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Let me read that again. Now the purpose of this commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. I, what I wanted to skip ahead for is because we've been talking about hope so much, I want, you to, show, I want to, to show you what God's purpose is for us. It's right here in verse 5. It's that we have, number one, a pure heart. Is it perfect yet? No. 
But, he, he, but here's the other hope I got to give you. When God the Father looks at you, he looks through the eyes of Jesus. When God the Father looks at you, he sees you done. What do I mean by done? You've been perfected already. You're, you're, you're so sanctified when he looks at you, you're pure now. You're not. See, we, and here's the reason why we live holiness is because you can't come into the presence of holy God unless you are holy. And the only way we do that is by getting more sanctified. How do we get more sanctified? By living for Jesus, right? By reading our Bibles, living for Jesus, and praying. That does not mean we're perfect. The only perfect man who ever lived was Jesus, right? Uh, Adam might have been made perfect, but he sinned. Jesus didn't sin. He just carried our sins. Okay, so a pure heart. So when he looks at us through the eyes of Jesus, he sees us already done and perfect. Jesus knows exactly how we are, and, and, and he loves us anyway. He can relate to us because he lived as one of us. And so he says to the Father, they need the Holy Spirit. We need to send them the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit needs to work on something. Father says, Holy Spirit, go! And, and see, the thing is, when we receive the Holy Spirit, guess what? When Jesus comes into our heart, we get the Father, we get Jesus, of course, and we get the Holy Spirit. So he's already there. But when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to us, and Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. Well, even though the Holy Spirit's right there, he sends a message to the Holy Spirit. Help him with that. Help him with that. That's why when, if you've ever backslid... I don't know if anybody's ever, we're not going to show hands. Nobody raise hands. No, don't do that. No, 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 no. I don't know if anybody's ever backslid, but if you have, so why does it always feel like the Holy Spirit came in with a lifeline? And then he sometimes makes us so miserable we want to turn back to God. Right? And he throws that lifeline out, that life preserver. We grab a hold of it, and he yanks us back, and he throws his arms around us and says, now you're twice mine. <laughs> right? But the Holy Spirit knows what to work on in us. And here's the other cool part. i got to get this in. Because sometimes we, we get beat down so much we forget. Do you know we have two, two of the Godhead interceding for us with the Father? You might have forgotten about that. Holy Spirit intercedes for us from our heart. That's why sometimes you start praying in your prayer language. Because the Holy Spirit takes over. And he's interceding from your heart while Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father interceding for you. Now how cool is that? You've got, you got two of them representing you in heaven. Devil comes up there and tries to get you kicked. Oh, I saw that Hal the other day. <laughs> did you see what that Hal did? Jesus laughs. This is Father, he's doing it again. Why, son? Take a look at him. He's covered with my blood. That's right. Shut up, Satan. <laughs> right? Didn't he do that to Job? Yeah. And then he, then he accuses Job of his righteousness. He's so good, Lord. He'll turn on you if you turn on him. Oh, give me a break. Our God's an awesome God. Number two, his purpose for us is a good conscience. A good conscience. How do we get a good conscience? By turning it all over to Jesus. Yeah. Right? When we realize the power of the cross in our lives, 
those things we've struggled with for years disappear. We take them back. We don't worship wood beams. That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about the cross, we're talking about Jesus' work on the cross. So when we go back to the foot of the cross and we realize he said it is finished and we just lay that thing that we've been struggling with for years and we beat ourselves up with for years. I don't care if it's, a, if it's your mouth or some thoughts. I don't care what it is. Whatever you struggle with, you leave it there at the foot of the cross because Jesus said, I carried it already and I finished it already and I took care of it already. And you just leave it there. And you, won't, you cannot believe how it doesn't return. And when it tries to return, how you just said, wait a second, Jesus already took care of that. And it just goes away. See, it's our confession and our faith to believe and he says, my goal is so that you have a clear conscience. Oh, wow. Won't that, when we get to heaven, we'll have such a clear conscience. All of our, you see, when he, he even died for all of our regrets. Come on. And we all carry around regrets, don't we? Right? Some of us regret that we weren't born taller. Well, maybe not born taller, you know. Our mothers wouldn't have been happy with that. <laughs> but gotten taller, or this or that. Those things are out of our control, but we have other regrets we sometimes carry around. He died for those too. Just give them to him. And then the third thing he wants, I'm not going to get done with this message. I'm going to have to finish it some other time. Uh, I haven't had that for a long time. Love you, Holy Spirit. The third thing, so Facebook's not having a problem with this. This is the next the scripture that are going to have problems with. But the third thing he wants us to have is sincere faith. Wow. And every one of us can have it. Sincere faith. Faith to believe. Faith of a little child. That's why we're just told, believe the Bible. Don't get so caught up in all these philosophies and stuff. Just believe the Bible. Just believe him. Have faith like a little child does. Little child, you tell them the sky is blue. Okay, it's blue. And for the rest of their life, they believe the sky is blue. Because they were told so, right? The green is blue. The grass is green, not red. Why do they believe that? Because you told them it's, that's green. Okay. That's how our faith is supposed to be. God says, I can heal you. Okay. Right? I can provide for you. Okay. I can use you. No. You can't. What are you talking about? Come on, God. No. No, our response should be, okay. He wants to use every one of us here. You know, in, in the book of Acts, you know how easy the job of pastor was? 
It was challenging, but it was easy. You know, they were always trying to go ahead, in Rome especially, they were always trying to hang us on poles, light us on fire so that we could light up the city streets. But um, that's a different thing. You know how easy, the job of the pastor was just to feed the people. He fed them good scripture, he gave them the, he led them besides the cool water, he did the job of a shepherd. You know what everybody in the, the pew's job was? They went out and evangelized the whole town. And then the pastor was given to prayer and getting ready so when the new people came in, they could be trained. And you know, because of the people getting lit up on fire during the Roman days, they did something even more spectacular to disciple people. The pastor would then, okay, you want to accept Christ? All right, you can accept Christ. You know, they probably did a sinner's prayer with them. But now I am, a, I am assigning you, your whole family, to Hal. You've got to meet with Hal. You've got to go to his house and eat with him every day. Hal don't cook, so you better cook for him. <laughs> so you go to Hal's house. Hal starts teaching them what the Bible has to say. This is what a real Christian is. Then Hal comes to the pastor one day and the elders of the church and say, guess what? That family just passed. They're real Christians. They're not make-believe Christians to infiltrate us to, because we're going to celebrate communion in a moment. They weren't allowed to have communion until they passed their initial steps of discipleship. Because once they had communion, they were considered real Christians. Until they were, their, their person assigned to them or their family assigned to them said so. Because, and, they were, and the people that were assigned, the people they were assigned to were all mature Christians. That's what they did in the early church because of all the martyrs being happening. You know, they came up with a plan. We Christians usually come up. We're pretty, when we've got a challenge, we come up with good ideas. We are going to be doing a membership class coming up. And, um, and uh, we'll probably, might ha- I don't know, we might have to plan on a baptism um, class. I don't know yet. I, get ex- I love churchy things. Some of you don't know that. I love church. I love getting people saved. That's churchy. I love getting them baptized in the spirit. I love water baptizing them. I like taking members in. It's a lot of fun. And so um, I'm going to be planning that. And I'm going to have to do it in such a way because I teach Sunday school as well. Right? And Sunday school starts up next month. And so we're going to have a good time. Well, because we have communion today, I'm not going to get into the next part of the... I didn't get out of the introduction. All this was to say that it's important then to do some things. Three things here. And we'll talk about them next time. See, what I'm trying to do is build you up in your faith so that when you've done all, you can stand. You don't need to get torn down. As my pastor, when I was in my first Bible college, used to say, all the people in our church go through hell all week long. I need to make this a time when we are built up so they can get through another week. And boy, we kept on seeing people saved. That's the point. And see, real Christians will accept the fact we don't do certain things. 
You don't have to beat them over the head about it. We just don't do certain things. We don't behave a certain way. We don't believe a certain way. We believe what the Bible says. And if God said it, I believe it, it it satisfies it for me. It settles it for me. That's how it goes. It settles it for me. It's been a long time since we've heard that song. Wasn't it nice singing some 80s songs today? They have such faith. They don't job. So praise the Lord. We will do the rest of the sermon next time. Because I want to talk about teaching sound doctrine. It's not what you think. I'll explain what doctrine actually means. We're going to talk about staying focused on Christ and the cross and keeping our hope where it belongs. I really believe this needs to be finished. And we'll finish that next week. And uh, praise the Lord. I am so glad that you could join us today. We're going to pray here with you and uh, then we're going to have communion. One of the things I do, why I don't do communion online is because there's certain things that you need to be in fellowship for. First Sunday of the month, you should get over here to New Life if it's possible. I can understand if you're in Canada or in Africa or someplace like that far away. But if you live in the tri-state area, you should get here, on the, especially the first Sunday, to have communion. Jesus says, don't neglect the fellowshipping of yourselves together. And there's certain things that we need to do together. And communion is one of those. Because it is a holy thing. It's a time that we... It's also called communion because we commune with the Lord while doing it. And we thank him for all he's done. Anyway, I will see you next time for coffee break during the week. And, of course, next Sunday as well. Hey, God bless. Oh, yeah, I said I was going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all the folks who've tuned in today. I thank you, Lord, for touching them today. Help them with their struggles. And Lord, let them know how much hope you have given them. That they don't have to struggle through alone. But you are there every step of the way and they have hope in you and hope that you can remove these struggles out of their lives because you've already carried them on the cross. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. And then... If you're sitting at home and you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, what are you waiting for? Let him be your Savior. It's so easy. All you have to do is say, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me, Lord, for all my regrets, all my sins, all the messes. I thank you, you died for them. Thank you for setting me free, Jesus. I believe in you. And I believe you rose from the dead. And one day I'll be with you. Forever. Now, if you said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. The prayer is not a magic formula. It's believing into the one you just prayed to. That's what saves you. Believing that you you prayed to Jesus asked him to save you. If you did that today, if you're on Facebook Live, would you just click on the heart? If you're over there on YouTube, just do the thumbs up. 
because there's no heart over there at YouTube. So just click. I just want to be praying for you. Okay? Do that because uh, I want to know that you got saved. And then the biggest thing, tell somebody, tell at least two people today what you just did. And that way you can give Satan a good kick and he can't get away with trying to lie to you. Just tell somebody that you gave your heart to Jesus today. And I'll tell you what, you'll even feel better than you are right now. So God bless you. I will see you next time.